tell you a story. I didn't tell us in the early service. I'll give you a little something extra. Um, cost you a little more, but that's okay. Um, I used to do that. Where's my wife? Uh, you know what I'm going to say, don't you, Charlene? Uh, when I was in the Army, um, <laughs> um, during Vietnam, I didn't have to go to Vietnam, but I was reserved, and I had to go active for like a year. And, uh, and so when I was in basic training, those of you who have ever been in basic training know it's just hell on earth. And, uh, and I used to just really, you know, Charlene and I were just pretty serious at that point, and, and uh, I would send her these huge cards. I love you. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. You're so sweet. They were like this. They were big. They were huge. Well, I mean, I'm in an army base, okay? I don't have a lot of money. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I'm just, you know, thinking about this woman that I'm just, you know, just <laughs> wish I was with and uh, sleeping with 60 other guys. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm just, you know, and so I just send these like every two or three times a week. So finally, when I get a hold of her, it's like, and if I talk to her, she says, don't send me any more of those cards. And I said, why? And she said, because there's always postage due. It's always a big deal. It's always a big hassle. See? And I was like, ah! And this, I always tell you good stories about Sean. That's the one story I'm going to tell you, okay? That, uh, although I've got to tell you, it was, it, there's, there's more to that story on her side, but I'm not going to tell you that. But, um, but uh, it's those things that we do sometimes when we are first understanding that we're in love or falling in love or think we're in love that sometimes get diminished, as the film clip talks about. And I want to talk about that today. And i got a big challenge, as I always do. Just some, some numbers for you. This particular message, when it was voted on a couple of months ago, uh, this was number, number four top vote-getter. Okay? Um, now, uh, of all the messages that we had listed, okay? now, when you start figuring all the other talks, sermons, messages that I've had on, on, on marriage, you figure all those in, Um, This was like by far the number one subject that got the most votes, which tells us what? All of us are still looking for for a little bit of help in our marriages. And my challenge has to do with the fact that I'm talking to some people, most of whom who are married, but we got a lot of single folks here who who maybe are thinking about getting married and maybe there's nobody in the near future, nobody in the horizon. We have some folks who have just been through some nasty divorces. We have some folks who are in situations where... Uh, they're not married and things aren't going to change anytime soon and, and uh, because they may be this, uh, of a divorce or death or whatever. And somehow, I've got to make this relevant to everybody. And I, I want you to know it really should be relevant to everybody for a number of reasons. What we're talking about here basically are principles for how I should live my life as a person. I'm going to talk about it in the context of a husband and wife according to the Bible. But the other thing about this is whoever you are, I don't care because these are principles you need to know, maybe for later, maybe because you have a friend, and we all do, who might be in the midst or you will have a friend who will be in the midst of marital issues and difficulties, and they're going to be looking to you for encouragement. And that's another thing you can do. I'm going to help you with that too. So here we go. We're just going to take a look at this. We're going to go to the Bible. I'm going to take you to, I think, one, there there are several, but one of the clearest passages in the Bible, the New Testament, that talks about marriage. I'm going to to read it to you, and you're going to see it on the PowerPoint, uh, in the the, uh, New Living, I'm sorry, not the New Living, in the Message Translation, which is a paraphrase, a a modern paraphrase that just uh, 
up-to-date language. I'll and every now and throw until you show you what some of the uh, older Bibles how they do the translation. And uh, keep in mind when these new translations are made, like the Message, they're not made as some people pointed out, like in the Da Vinci Code. They're not made out of another translation. All these translators go back to the originals or whatever we have of the originals to make the translation. So understand that, and they just it's it's more in a modern vernacular. So we're going to look at the message. It's just a side note. And we're just going to take a look at this and make some applications to it and see how it works for you, all right? Ephesians, New Testament, chapter 5, puts it like this. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverend to one another. By the way, in the King James and in a lot of other Bibles, that would, they say in that particular verse, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. They use the word submit there. To one another. No... Not woman to man, man to woman. Submit to one another. Verse 22. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should also likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands. You're not off the hook. Go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. And we skip down a few verses, verse 32. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. Now, the key phrase there. What is clearest to me is the way Christ teaches, uh, excuse me, treats the church. Who's the church? That's you. That's me. That's us. That's people. It's not a building. That's not Renaissance. That's not St. Teresa's. That's not this. Or that. That's, that's you. The church is you. Now, we somehow get all kinds of misconceptions about what the church is. It's people who have decided to follow Christ. That's who the church is. We're the church. Greek word is ecclesia, called out ones. Okay? So what he's saying is, the, what, what Christ does for you and me, what does Christ do for me and you? Well, let's think. He loves us, unconditionally, unconditionally. He gave himself up for me, for you, forgives us, gives us grace. He says, husbands and wives, treat each other in the same manner. Husbands and wives. And then, If you go back to verse 21, out of respect, be courteously reverend to one another. That's some pretty good stuff there. I mean, that's some pretty powerful stuff there that we need to think through. Now, here's what I want to do. Um, This is the standard. This is is the gold standard, basically. Um, Very simple, very easy to understand. But the issue has to do with the fact that it's not just a matter of whether it's easy to understand. It's also a matter of whether I can really put it into practice. And that sometimes is more difficult. Okay? Let's, let's just make some applications to this. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what we call, I, I call demystifying the myths of marriage. Um, there are a lot of myths of marriage. And I'm going to state them for you. They're, pretty, they're negative. We're going to say, see what they are. And we're going to talk about that. And this is what's going to include all of us. Think through it. Pray. Pray about it if you're so inclined, and, uh, and, and deal with it. The first myth that we're going to demystify is this. I will never repeat the problems of my parents. You ever said that? 
I will never repeat the problems of my parents. Isn't it amazing so many times, many of us here um, would look back on our parents' marriages and maybe they're still alive, maybe they're no longer married, whatever, and say, I don't want a marriage like that. Now, there are a few of us, let me just add this, there are a few of us here, there are a few of us here who can look to our parents as great examples of what a marriage should be. And I want, you to tell, I want to tell you parents something. If you've left that legacy or are in the process of leaving that legacy to your kids, God bless you. God bless you. There's not enough of that. But there are others who would say, yeah, I don't want the kind of marriage my mom and dad had. I mean, and you know, when you think about it, I mean, there's, there's some truth to this because the statistics prove it, don't they? Where do most abusers come from unfortunately statistics show most come from abusive homes whether they learned it by word or whether they learned it by example i don't know but they learned it and that's the tragic thing um there's a study and this is all going to be on uh, as of eight o'clock in the morning on our what we call action steps if you don't know what that is go to our website you'll see that and I have these websites down for you to, to check out for yourself. But there's a great study that was done by Penn State University and some sociologists there. And, um, and they did a 20-year study, which is that's, that's pretty darn good. And, and listen, just to take one quote from that study. If your parents were divorced, it's twice as likely that your own marriage will end in divorce. Now, that's just the hardcore facts. I don't like that. But let me just say something. You can break that. If you come from a broken home, you can break that. You don't, you don't have to be a victim to that. I believe, that has, I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus came, to give us the ability to overcome that. And you say, well, I've already gotten, been a product of a broken home. I've already been divorced. You know what? You start where you are. You start where you are and say, you know what? Whatever happened, happened. But now we're going we're gonna to live and teach the right way. So don't be beating yourself up for some past divorce or whatever. That's under God's grace, and you move on with life. And you need to understand that, all right? And, and show the right way and live the right way that's going to give the kind of an example, according to, to the Bible, as to what's going to happen uh, in, with your kids and how they can emulate that as well. I will never repeat the problems of my parents. Um, that's where God comes in. You can break that pattern. You can break that pattern, and you can do that. That's, that's where sometimes... Sometimes you just go to, you pray, and I've done this. We've done this before. My wife and I, we just said, God, help us. Don't even know what to pray. Just help us. And God will. You know? You don't have to repeat the problems of your parents. God gives us the ability to overcome those things. And again, start now. Start now of setting the pattern that needs to be set. You say, well, you know, maybe I'm divorced, maybe I'm not divorced, whatever, but I haven't set a very good example. Well, it's never too late to do what's right. Start now. Maybe someday your kids will look back on that and they'll say, you know, there was a thing that happened way back then, and, and maybe they'll know in, in July of 2006, and, and, and I just started noticing a change in how you all lived, and it's really affected me. Start now. It's not too late. Don't start just, you know, beating yourself up over the past. Just say, hey, God. Let's, go, let's move forward from here. That's the first thing. The second myth that we want to demystify. Um, oh, before I leave that, um, when I say I'll never, leave, I'll never repeat the problem, you know, when we start, just I, we have the verses there. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously, courteously reverent to one another. Start with that. Just start with that. It's a great passage just to 
read through and read to each other. <laughs> Good passage to read to each other. All right, second thing. Second myth in demystifying these myths of marriage. We aren't compatible. You ever said that? I have. You ever said, we are so opposite. How did we ever get together? I mean, I mean really, seriously. We've been married 35 years this October. And my wife and I see the world from different planets sometimes. I mean, it's like what come out of it. And it's one of the reasons I, I value her judgment. It's taken me a few years to figure that out. But I value her judgment so much. It's because she hears things differently than I do sometimes. Balances me out. I hear it a particular way, then she hears it. I think, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. It used to be, how could you be so stupid and I could be so smart? Um, I'm not going to tell you who was saying it. No, you probably figured that out. Um, but then you start to value that person. You realize, oh, wait a minute. There's something else going on here. They're seeing it from a different perspective than I am. We aren't compatible. We aren't compatible. I'll tell you, that this is, um, you know, you were at one time. If you're one of those people saying, we're not compatible. You were at one time. Furthermore, this is, this is really, we've got to talk about this a minute. This is really important. Compatibility can be an elusive thing. You know, some days you're tracking, we are really compatible. And then boom, something drops. Boom, and all of a sudden, ah, oh, we're not compatible at all. How do we, you know, how do we, get, we don't, we, you know, and it's just one of those deals. We're not, how can, we're not, we're, you know, let's just get out of this thing. We're not compatible at all. Listen. Compatibility does not happen without communication, and we've got to be very clear about that, and we have to be very open about that. Another one of the websites you'll see when you uh, look at uh, action steps uh, beginning in the morning. <coughs> Excuse me, mari- marriageology.com. I got this from there. It's, pretty, it's a pretty interesting website. I'll, I'll have it for you there. You need to make sure that you are expressing to your spouse in a healthy manner what your needs are in the marriage that are not getting met. If you're not getting enough together time or sex or affection or any of your most important emotional needs, speak up about it or you'll be putting yourself at risk. Compatibility happens as we communicate with one another things that sometimes we don't want to communicate. And I still, I've done that and I still don't understand why we do that. Why don't we say, you know what, I'm I'm needing this, I'm needing that. Well, okay, how about you? And you have that interchange. You did that sometimes maybe when you were dating or maybe when you were first married. And somehow it gets lost in and, and, and the whatever. And the other thing about compatibility, it's an elusive thing. You're very compatible and then things change. Situation changes. People change. Do I dare say it? Bodies change. You know, women have babies and, and stuff. Of course, we men, we don't change at all. I mean, you know, we... We're all still the chiseled hunks we were when we got married, you know? Isn't that, a, isn't that a myth right there, huh? We can blame the women for having babies. What's our excuse, you know? Well, beer and hot dogs, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and any number of other things. You know, and that's the whole issue here that you, you have to kind of go through and think through. That it's not, it, it works both ways. And if compatibility is going to be based on this or on this or on this, well, that... Lots of things happen to people. Just the stuff of life. You have kids. They change the whole dynamic. You know, you got two sinners living together. All of a sudden, you got three sinners living together. And then you have another. You got four sinners. You double your sin capacity in your home. And you got more. 
And they get married and they have grandkids and you got a whole bunch more sinners hanging around. You know, we're, we're about to do that with our, we're going to have a big vacay with both of our kids and their mates and, and one of the, the one, one of our son who has two kids. And, and we're looking forward to that. But you know, there's always going to be little issues with families and, and stuff like that. But that's the whole thing. When we start talking about compatibility, situations change, people change, bodies change, body chemistry changes, job situations change, companies get downsized, the guy who was secure all of a sudden becomes insecure. All kinds of stuff happens. If we're going to look for compatibility in all these kinds of external things, we're all screwed, okay? We're all in big trouble. Sorry, you're visiting with us. (laughs) Deal with it. It gets worse. (laughs) Um, we're, I mean, we're all, we're all, we're all in big, deep trouble if we're going to, if we're going to base it on that kind of stuff. And here's the issue that you need to understand about compatibility. This is a great thought. I wrote it, but every now and then, okay. Compatibility, compatibility is part of the journey. It's not just the destination. And you need to understand that it's part of the journey. And sometimes things are just tracking, and sometimes things aren't tracking so good. And sometimes, you know, I heard a sermon one time. This guy was talking about never go to bed angry with your wife. Never go to bed angry. And I was thinking, where's he living? You know? I mean, tell me a married couple who've been married more than 10 days who haven't gone to bed a little angry with the other one. You say, well, you should work that out. You know, sometimes you just can't work it out in a night. Oh, and so, and, and, and so but, but, but here's the issue with that, and that is, we, we, you know, we're going to have that, and sometimes we're going to go to bed, and we're not going to, we're going to let the, the sun go down, so to speak, on our anger, and even though we shouldn't, and, and sometimes we're going to like that person very much that's across the bed there, you know? Sometimes we're not going to like him very much, or the one that's down on the couch, or whatever the case may be at that particular time. And we're not going to like him all that much. Okay, that's when we have to start to just buckle down, you know, batten down the hatches, so to speak. Okay, we're going to figure this out. And we're going to look for some, we're going to look for some, some common ground. And, and that's, that's where compatibility starts. And, and it's just one of those things, if you're looking for conditional compatibility, things just are going to change. It's part of the journey. It is not the destination. Don't miss that. Otherwise, you know, and, and here's the deal. You have a choice. That's what's important here. You have a choice. And here's your choice. This can be a fun, I mean, I, I'm serious. This can be a fun adventure of learning each other and figuring this stuff out and getting mad occasionally, angry occasionally, laughing about things from time to time when you can laugh about it and, and, and decide we're going to just, whatever it takes, or you can just be miserable. I mean, that really is your choice. And if you don't make a decision, you're making a decision. And that, that's the choice that you can make. And I hope, I hope you won't just settle for or just get by or just choose to be miserable. Once again, when we have a relationship with God, we can come to Christ and sometimes, as I said earlier, we can just pray. God help us. Sometimes we can even pray openly, God, you know what? I'm, I need help right now. And you know, it's a good idea to pray with your wife or your husband. And just, even if, even if you're not doing too well, God, I'm not liking her much right now. In fact, I think she's kind of a butthead. I think he's kind of a jerk. Now help us to figure this out. Be honest. God knows your thoughts anyway. What are you trying to hide from? You know? You think, oh, God doesn't know what I really think. Yeah, he does. 
Yeah, he does. You might as well just get it out in the open and just, and that's where you start. It's when we hide and cover up and all the other kinds that we have problems. And sometimes we start that at a very young age. Sometimes we start that even before people are married. That's a very, very dangerous situation to be in. So that's the other thing. We aren't compatible. You can be compatible. And it, it doesn't mean that everything you're going to see everything all alike all the time. It doesn't mean that. It means that by God's grace, you're going to understand love and you're going to understand grace. You're going to understand forgiveness. And you're going to, you're going to out of respect for Christ, as the Bible teaches, be courteously reverent to one another. And wives are going to understand and support their husbands. And husbands, first, right there in 25, 26, husbands go all out in your, all, in, in, in your love for your wives. Wow, who's not going to respond to that? Everyone's going to respond to that. Third thing, last thing. I've heard this a few times, and I can speak with some authority to this. A few others of you in here can as well. Long-term marriages get boring. Ever heard that? I don't want to get married. I want to be with the same woman the rest of my life. You know? I'm like, you know, that's a new depth to shallowdom right there. Um, Here's the issue. And that line of thought says that if you're married for a long time, your marriage is going to get stale and boring and ho-hum. I got a series of just, you know, I'll just just give them to you. They're not on the PowerPoint. Um, I'll just give them. I got a series of just some rhetorical questions to ask that kind of answer this question uh, about about long-term marriages getting boring, okay? Let me ask you this. What's boring about a person that you love and love being with and learn each other's desires and joys and seek to fulfill them? What's boring about that? What's boring about having a companion for life that's there to share your greatest victories and your harshest defeats? What's boring about that? What's boring about someone who... Let's just, we're going to talk about sex in August and it'll get a little more descriptive, but, but just let's touch on that just for a moment. What's boring about someone who knows your turn-ons and your turn-offs? Doesn't have to be just sexual either. What's boring about someone who knows your turns-ons and your turn-ons and your turn-offs and is intentional about seeking to make them happen? What's boring about that? What's boring about living with someone who loves you, desires to please you, and wants to share the journey of life with you? What's boring about that? What's boring, what's ho-hum about a lifelong partner that seeks to bring, out, to bring other humans into the world and bring light and make a contribution to society with their lives as well? What's boring about that? That's an adventure. What's boring about having a lifelong friend and companion who will help you live a life that will honor the God that created you? Is that boring? That's not boring. That's exciting. It never gets old. It's always an adventure. Always some fun. Difficult times? Not yes, but hell yes. But you work through them. Why? Because God gave us this thing called love. Unconditional love. And when you think about it, here's what, here's what Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us unconditional love. Jesus gives us 
unbelievable forgiveness. Jesus gives us selflessness. He taught us how to be selfless. And so God says, here's this little micro, this little micro thing here on earth called the home. Yours may be small, yours may be big, whatever it is, it's still small in comparison to the rest of the world. He says, here's a place to practice these principles and to really show not just people but in your life to share what life can be like with unconditional love, with grace, with forgiveness for each other because that's what God has for us. He says, make that a part of your home. Make that a part of your home because you're going to like that better. And it's going to give you some idea what it's like to be with God all the time. It's different because we're not God and we do make mistakes and sometimes we don't do the things that we should do but then we still come back with grace and love and forgiveness and selflessness. That's what God says. And then he gives us the ability to do that through the power of God who comes to us in a relationship with God through Jesus. And we trust him. And whatever else it does, singles and marrieds alike, listen to this, whatever else it does, because of that, it makes the world a lot better place for you. A lot better place. That's what God designed. That's, that's what he has for us here. And then he gives us the ability to live it through Jesus in a relationship with him. Let's pray together. I'm going to have Daniel and the guys come and sing a song that's just perfect for this. And, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray right now and just ask God to, to, to bless our time here. God, um, this has been a, a good time. We thank you for your blessing upon it. I pray that you'd bless us as we leave and that we would think about some of these truths. Some of us are in the throes of different issues going on in our own marriages. Some of us aren't even married. Some of us are past that. Some of us are going through some other difficult things. I pray, God, you would give us just a renewed sense of vigor, an understanding of what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus. And that because of that, we can live a life that will certainly not only be honoring to our maker, our creator, our God, but also honoring to those who we are closest to and who we love the most. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.